You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to keep still. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. You can have a seat, church. Good morning. Who is this God that tells us to stand still? You only have to sit still. Just wait and watch. This is what God says just before our reading that we heard this morning in this scene at the Red Sea. Who is this God who saves a slave, an enslaved people who are trapped, who have no way out? Who is this God? He doesn't even want to rescue quietly. You know, he could have had a SEAL team flown in. He could have done all kinds of things. Think about this. But no, he's not going to do it quietly. He really doesn't need anybody's help at all. Even when there seems to be no way out of a really tight spot. There's no way out. When the people that he loves are trapped, he delivers them. With even, even, even in the face of a greatest military might on the planet, God delivers his people that he loves. Even when faced with unbeatable odds, we've seen this a million times and this is the way it always goes down. Even in the face of those odds, God delivers his people. He's not deterred. He's never surprised at the opposition. It doesn't worry him when things get tough. His great love for his people, church, listen to this. His great love for his people, for you, determines your deliverance, nothing else. Only God's great love for you and nothing, not military might, not plans, not strategies, nothing can stand in his way. We believe in this God, the deliverer, amen? So good to be with you this morning as we kick off this series in Exodus. Now we're jumping in at chapter 14. Don't worry, I'm gonna get you caught up. But can I just tell you, if you've never read the book of Exodus, go and read the book of Exodus. I mean, better than anything on Netflix, I guarantee you, better than anything on Netflix, the book of Exodus is so amazing. There's, there's everything you'd want in a good story. And this is, this is the backdrop. This is the setting for our salvation. If you want to know what it means to be a Christian, you cannot understand what it means to be a Christian apart from the story of Exodus. So go and read the story of Exodus. Exodus is this strange kind of word. We've heard it maybe used. It literally just means this massive departure of people. That's exactly what God was doing. He was taking an entire nation of people and departing them out of slavery into some plan, into some promise that he's had for them. Israel, us, we are the people that God is delivering, that he is bringing in this Exodus story. So when we read Exodus, we don't just watch it like it's happening to someone else. Actually, it is the Jewish tradition on the night of Passover to say, my father was a wandering Aramean. On this night, God delivered us. In the Jewish tradition, they kind of get The sacramental reality, a little bit better than most Christians, to be honest. That that thing that has happened historically is now being rushed to the present and we've been caught up in it. It's now happening to us and we participate. So as we read and journey through this Exodus story, 
as we come out of Egypt together as God's people and head into the wilderness, I pray that we would realize that we are those people that God is delivering. That we would get a fresh look at this God that we say we believe in. You see, when God was bringing out his people, he wasn't just delivering them, but he brought them into the wilderness to teach them about who he was. I pray that this is the case for us as we study the book of Exodus together. If you have your Bibles, you can join me in chapter 14. Um, but let me catch us up. Many years earlier, before coming to Exodus 14, let me back up. I'm going to go all the way to Abraham. God made this promise to Abraham. What's this promise? That his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky. Abraham, look into the sky. You have more descendants than that. And I will give you a land, the land of Canaan. I will give you this land, I promise. This promise wasn't just given to Abraham. It was given to his son, Isaac, and his grandson, Jacob. This promise was given to all the descendants of Abraham, which is why, have you ever heard in the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? When God identifies himself so often, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know that what's happening there is God is identifying with the promise that he's made to his people through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what's happening. Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph was one of them. It was his favorite. I don't know what it's like to have favorites. I do. No, I tell all my kids they're my favorites. But Joseph was really his favorite, which made Joseph, and you can imagine, despised by his other 11 brothers, right? His 11 brothers, they sold him into slavery, which ended up leading him into captivity in Egypt. Fast forwarding, seriously, go read the story. It's amazing. Fast forwarding many years later, Joseph rises to power in Egypt under the favor of God. And then when there was a famine in the land of Canaan where his family was from, his family came with all of God's people asking for food in Egypt. This is how Israel, God's people, the people of that promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob ended up in Egypt in captivity. So there's the backstory. Now, chapter 14 begins. There was this new king that came over Egypt. The old king favored Israel, favored Joseph and his people. But there was a new king that came over Israel and he, they, he treated God's people cruelly and harshly. He dealt with them very harshly. And we heard God's people cry out to deliver them from captivity and to fulfill that age-old promise that he had once made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These, this was the cry of God's people so long ago. So do you remember the burning bush? Do you guys remember that story? This is where that comes into play. Moses encounters this burning bush. God says, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. Sometimes it makes me want to take my shoes off up here, but I wouldn't do that to you all. He called Moses through this burning bush to do the craziest thing. He wanted to go, Moses, this timid, not speaking well kind of guy, to go up in front of the world's leading military power, the king, Pharaoh, and confront him with a demand. Can you imagine? You know, first of all, hey friends, I ran into a burning bush and they wanted me to go, the burning bush told me to go and talk to Pharaoh. Can you imagine how crazy that must sound? But Moses did it. He went to Pharaoh. He demanded that Pharaoh let his people go. And Pharaoh, of course, resisted. He said, I'm not gonna let your people go. Not happening. 
So of course, God sent plagues and plagues and plagues and finally the death of his own firstborn son on the night of Passover. And Pharaoh relented finally after this long story, seriously go read the book of Exodus. After this long story, uh, Pharaoh relented and said, fine. In his grief of losing his child said, fine, go. What do I care? Get out of here. So God let his people that night eat with haste. This is the night of Passover. Gird your loins, meaning pick up your, like this, your dress and get it around your leg because you're about to eat and run. Talk about fast food, like seriously. This is the night where you're gonna be delivered. This is actually the same night, this exact same night that we participate in here at the table, the night of Passover being fulfilled. We'll get to that. God led his people that night in the most miraculous way, in the middle of the night, by this pillar of fire and pillar, uh, pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And God led his people through with these pillars into freedom. Almost, almost. Pharaoh changed his mind last minute and said, you know what, actually that's not the case, I'm gonna go get you. But Israel had already left They'd already gone. And so Israel is wandering into the wilderness and they come up to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, who Pharaoh just changed his mind, is now in hot pursuit right behind them. God's people found themselves totally and utterly stuck between a watery grave and the world's military might. Pick your death. Must have been how they felt. But God's promise remained, didn't it? Nothing changed. Do you think when, when the Israelites found themselves between the watery grave and, and the Egyptian army, God was thinking, okay, well, um, what now? What should I do? Plan B. Okay, plan B is, quick angels, somebody give me an idea. Do you think he was surprised at all? No. What kind of God would bring his people into a, a tough place like that? to think that all that was left for them was a choice between this grave or that grave. Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt, God's people said to Moses. Why would you bring us out here to die? What kind of God do we believe in that would lead us into this kind of trap? Is that what this is? Between a rock and a hard place where there are not enough graves in Egypt. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there between the watery grave in a military might between certain death and certain death? Have you, ever been, have you ever felt like you've been stuck, totally trapped? There's just everything that you have that you could do, every resource that you have at your hands, it's just not gonna get you out of this one. I've been there before. Maybe you've been struggling with sin on one end and shame on the other, stuck in this place where you can't be free. You're stuck. Maybe it's financial hardship. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's illness. Maybe it's family problems. This is the place where God's people find themselves so often. If you're anything like me, you find, you've found yourself there before. And in that trap, in that place of, of tightness, that tough place, we remember God's promise to us. We have to, this is what makes us God's people. We remember his promise. And it's right then that God instructs Moses in that tough place, he instructs Moses with the most incredible thing. Do not be afraid, Moses. Stand firm. See the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. 
for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see them again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. Sheesh. Amen. This is true, church. This is true for us today. The Lord will fight for you. Those enemies that are on your tail, you're never gonna see them again when God's done with them. Why? Because you're clever. No, because God will fight for you. When you lack the strength, when you lack the wisdom, when you lack every resource, God will fight for you. Well, what do I do? You have only to keep still. Watch. Scripture tells us in verse 19 that an angel right then moved between Israel and Pharaoh's army along with the pillar of cloud. In this room, we can visualize this. I don't know if you know this, but you're already participating in this Exodus story. Do you know this? Just by walking into the room, you have identified yourself with Israel, God's people who have come out of Egypt into this tight place out here. This represents Egypt. This represents the land of sin and death and slavery. And when God's people come up to the Red Sea, they look back and they see Pharaoh's army right behind them. And that, yet there is this strange pillar of fire that leads them. And God asked Moses in this very tight space between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea to do the craziest thing. Sounds kind of ritualistic if you think about it. He said, Moses, stretch out your hand over the water. And then what happened to the water? Began to create a passageway, a way through, a way when there was no way, God asked Moses as his instrument, as his human instrument, to do something with his body to represent the deliverance that God was gonna bring to his people. Doesn't this sound familiar? Have you ever been here for a baptism? Well, hang in there, because All Saints is coming up November 5th, and you can see this happening. The priest will stretch out his hand over the water and pray over the water that God would create in it a way of deliverance for God's child who's being baptized in it. More of the story happens, and you'll hear this in Exodus as we continue, as we come out of Pharaoh's uh, slavery through the waters of the Red Sea into the wilderness and then into the land of Canaan, full of God's promises and leading. Do you all see this? This is how the room is laid out. This is so interesting. You've already been caught up in this story. Let me read verse 21 for us. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. The surf was really good, huge. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Unbelievable. Folks, we believe this happened in real history. Scientists, check that out. What do you do? What do you make of this? This is incredible. Unbelievable. You've got to grapple with the fact that do we believe that God actually delivered his people this way? I believe he did. We might imagine the gusts of wind, and I really don't think this is a matter of like, can we muster enough rational power in our minds? Because God, God can work far beyond that. I, I really don't think it's just a limitation of rational. I actually think it's a limitation of our own imaginations. We come in here thinking we know how the world works. 
And God stands in defiance of so often of all the ways that we think the world works. We might imagine the gusts of wind blowing through that narrow passageway in the sea. We might imagine as we walk through with Israel, the sprinkling of the water on our face. Does that sound familiar too? Remember your baptism. Remember you've been brought through the Red Sea. The sprinkling of the water on your face. We might relive that moment walking between the watery walls. When there was no way out, God delivered through the water his people. Men, women, children, anyone who was in arm's reach who got grabbed by Israel and said, let's go, we're getting out of here. They were caught up in this salvation. Mothers carrying infants who didn't decide to go through the Red Sea for themselves. How dare they? No, of course mothers are gonna take their infants through the Red Sea. Even the elderly who might have walkers have a hard time moving, they were shouldered by Israel's people. The entire family of God was taken through the waters of the Red Sea. Everyone was being saved by God. Can you imagine those children growing up hearing how they were carried by their mother, by their father, by their uncle or aunt, somebody in the waters of the Red Sea to salvation? Can you, can you imagine? You were there. You may not have remembered, but you were there. I had you in my hands. Sounds a lot like baptism to us. And in fact, this is the way the church has always understood baptism. The drama isn't over. Once they all passed through the sea's passageway, became a grave. Right after Israel had made its way through, it became a grave for the enemies of God. Let me read for us verse 27. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed. The people, after witnessing all that, they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. They believed in God. Before the Red Sea, to say we believe in God meant something else, didn't it? Then after the Red Sea, standing with Israel and saying, we believe in God, our deliverer. And our belief isn't just some cognitive thing. It's not even something just hidden in our heart. The belief has this actually effect on our lives. We've been saved by the work of God, what we just witnessed. Did you all see that? We believe in God, the deliverer, who saved us through the Red Sea. This became the basis, friends, listen to this. This became the basis, this story, this experience, this belief. It became the norm for God's people. Every time they would talk about the way that God rescues them, this was the starting place throughout history. You'll find this theme over and over and over again. This is a broken record kind of moment throughout the New Testament. You see it in the Psalms, you see it in the New Testament, you see it in all the epistles. And then finally, you see it in its fulfillment. When Jesus shows up at the, the River uh, Jordan to be baptized, do you think he came because he needed to be cleansed of sin? He had no sin. Why was he there? He was bringing, bringing to completion this Exodus journey. It started in Egypt. It continued through the Red Sea. They wandered in the wilderness, but it wasn't completed until they crossed the Jordan into the land that God had promised them, the land of Canaan. So when Jesus shows up at the, at the Jordan River, he is actually showing up like the new Moses, fulfilling everything that Israel couldn't do 
The deliverance that God had promised was now coming by his son. Jesus comes to deliver his people in this final and new exodus, leading them through the waters of baptism, drowning the enemy of sin that we would see dead on the seashore, sin and death itself. The water that covers the enemy in the exodus is the water that covers our sin. It's the water that binds up the enemy of our soul. It's the water that drowns and puts once and for all into the grave, death itself. And this is fulfilled, um, not really all of, all of these like watery images, all of these stories, it's historically true, but all of this is fulfilled in the cross of Jesus. When he comes to die on the cross, the deliverance is actually being fulfilled. No longer is it just the water, but it's actually his blood from the cross that covers and washes away our sin. And when he goes into the grave, he takes all of death with him and he comes from the grave having trampled death, freeing us from sin and death. In his cross, in his death, and his resurrection, Jesus fulfills the final and true exodus. Do y'all see that? Isn't that amazing? This is what Jesus invites us into when he says, follow me. Follow me to the cross. Follow me into the grave. Follow me to my resurrection. This is the banner of our salvation. This is the heading of the Christian life. This is what it means. Listen, folks, this is what it means to be saved. Yes, let's make a confession of of Christ with our mouth, the scripture says, and believe in him in our heart. But let's understand what's involved when Jesus invites us into salvation. This is the story that he's inviting us into, to believe in a God who delivers a God who has promised to continue to deliver, and even today, a God who delivers us when we come into his presence. We, just a moment ago, we sang this song. We've sung it a bunch of times. You guys remember the song that Nathan leads us in? Um, I can't sing it. I won't sing it to you guys. Land me safe on Canaan's side. Bid my anxious fears goodbye. Do you remember this song? Land me safe on Canaan's side. Canaan's side. Bid my anxious fears. This is a really beautiful Old Testament poetic way of saying, God, bring us into you the fullness of your promise that you've always had for us. Jesus, lead us through the waters of the Red Sea, through the wilderness, into the fullness of the goodness of God, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead. This is the land of Canaan that Canaan represents for us this promised land. So when we say, land me safe on Canaan's side, we're saying, Jesus, only you can lead us in this exodus. Draw me to yourself. Land me in that place, not in the place that I am, not caught between a watery grave and military might or certain death and certain death, between sin and some other vice. Jesus, land me safe on Canaan's side, on your side, in the land of the living the land of the resurrection of the dead, the land where sins are forgiven. Jesus, bring me to that place. Y'all understand that? That's the song. That's what we're singing. I hope that means more to us now as we sing that in the future. Friends, this morning, uh, may you be comforted that we believe in a God who has delivered us, delivers us still, and will continue to deliver us until it's completely fulfilled in the future. What's your part in all this? How do you respond knowing that this is the God we believe in? Well, don't get in his way. Get out of the way. In fact, just stand still for a second and watch. Don't take matters into your own hands, but pray. 
Don't do anything that would disobey what he's instructed you to do. Cooperate, submit to him. Even if it sounds strange, like, hey, Moses, stretch your hand over the water. How in the world is that gonna save us right now, God? Even when it sounds as crazy as stretching your hand out over water, obey God. Trust that he will deliver. This requires faith, friends. To participate in God's salvation, we've got to believe. We've got to put ourselves in a place of faith and trust. Especially when the enemy is closing in on us, when things get tough, when we can't see what's ahead. Maybe when we're suffering great pain or isolation or discomfort or loss. When we feel despair and captivity. Remember this, church. And we're going to practice this when we stand and say we believe in God. Remember this. The deliverance that God has accomplished for you, he's already accomplished in Jesus. This is the God that exists. If you don't believe in a God that delivers, uh, you're an atheist, or I don't know what you'd call yourself. But that God doesn't exist. The God that is, is the one who loves you and delivers you. And he has in his son, Jesus. And even today, he invites you not only to see and hear this promise, but to actually receive this promise by faith. May we become, Rez, a people who don't just say the creed, I believe in God, but a people who profess what we know to be true, really, really true, not only with our lips, but with our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's take a moment of silence to reflect on the story and allow the Holy Spirit to continue to speak to us. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.